Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Glory to Jesus Christ. Perfect. So in our house, I do the grocery shopping, generally speaking, because Shantae works on Saturday. She's really busy. She has a really long shift. And so I, I look after Isaac and she makes the list. She thoughtfully plans out the meals that she thinks that we would both like. And every time she asks me, what do you want to eat this week? I always reply with, well, tacos <laughs> every week. She then rolls her eyes and she says to pick something else. And then she puts a, the grocery list into an app on her phone called Reminders, which is then shared with me on my phone. So when I get to the store, I have a list that can be updated in real time. So if I, if I, I think of something, I can add it to the list, and it would actually show up on both of our lists. Or she could say, oh, I forgot this. She can add it to the list, and it'll show up on, on my list. That's pretty nifty. And she usually asks me if I have any questions about the list, and generally speaking, the list is okay, but sometimes the list isn't clear, and I have to text her and ask her about it. So I'll give you an example. The other day, she asked me to buy some coleslaw from Giant. It comes in a bag. For some reason, I didn't see it on the list, or sometimes when you're scrolling through it, your thumb can accidentally you know, hit the little circle. That means it's complete. And once it's complete, it removes it from the to-do list, and it puts it in the completed list. So that may have happened. I, I don't know. But there was a specific one that she wanted, which has the dressing in a separate pouch. So when I went to Giant, uh, I didn't get it. So then she said, did you get the coleslaw? I was like, oh, I forgot. So I went to, uh, in Palmerton, Country Harvest, and they had a pouch of coleslaw. And I bought it, and I brought it, and guess what it didn't have inside? It didn't have the little packet of the dressing separately. You had to make it. So what I purchased was very close to what she asked for and what she wanted, but it just wasn't quite right. And a reading from John 3, I think we see something similar here between Jesus and Nicodemus. In their conversation, Jesus says something to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, he kind of gets it, but he also doesn't quite get it as well. And Nicodemus is not quite getting what Jesus is saying here, has given way to a lot of people kind of getting what Jesus is trying to say, but then also missing out on some, some things that Jesus is saying. Some things they latch onto and say, oh yeah, I get that. And then some of it they go, uh, I'm not quite sure about that one. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning in this sermon entitled Born From Above. We're going to focus primarily on the passage from, from, from John that we just heard read. And we know from the story, it says that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. They were a group of religious leaders that were in competition with another group of religious leaders called the Sadducees. And the Pharisees played a prominent role in the life of the people of the day. And what seems to be interesting about Nicodemus is that he seems to not be threatened by Jesus. And he seems to be sympathetic to his healing and to his teaching. But he approaches at night. So no one can actually see it's him, maybe going to see Jesus. Maybe he's concerned for his street cred, I don't know. But I don't think we should judge him too harshly because 
the first thing he does is he acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher, and not only does he affirm that God has sent Jesus, that God is also the power behind the miracles of Jesus. And this is huge, because remember, when Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, and he does miracles, what do they say to him? They say, well, you do miracles through Beelzebub, the lord of the demons. And Jesus says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Like, Satan cannot cast out Satan. So a lot of the Pharisees credit the miraculous works of Jesus to the evil one. So Nicodemus is also kind of a fibber here because he says, we know <laughs> that you are sent from God. We know. I think maybe he should say, I know. But, I mean, there probably are some other Pharisees as well because we hear in the book of Acts, you know, Jewish religious leaders being converted by the apostles. So I think Nicodemus might be trying to flatter Jesus a little bit, but I think he's also being a little genuine, even if he's a little too concerned about what others might think about him visiting Jesus. And it's funny, when Nicodemus greets Jesus, hey, you're a rabbi, and uh, the work you're doing, it's definitely of God. What does Jesus respond with? You must be born again. <laughs> and you're like, that's a really odd response to someone who's basically walking into saying, hey, I acknowledge you. And Jesus says, you must be born again. It would be like, hmm. have you ever been to the Port Authority? It would be like me going to the Port Authority, and a very disheveled person walks up to me and says, excuse me, sir. And I say, here's a bus ticket to Des Moines. That's probably where they wanted to go, so, you know, if, if I'm Jesus in this scenario, right? It's kind of like that. It doesn't quite match up with what Nicodemus is, is saying. Jesus says to him, truly I tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So right now we need to stop here for a little bit. So when Jesus is born again, and most, well, many Bible translations translate this as born again, the word here, and it's worth talking about this, that's used to translate born again, comes from the word anothen. And this can be a bit ambiguous because anothen can mean again or anew or from the beginning, but it can also mean from above. From above. Very similar meaning, but also a little different, isn't it? So this plays into Nicodemus's confusion. He thinks Jesus mean, means again or anew, when he might be speaking more about being born from above. This is why Nicodemus has that head-scratching comment, like, I'm an old man, how can I get back inside my mother's womb and go through the whole birthing process again? Jesus responds to that with, unless you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This confuses Nicodemus even more because what is born from the flesh? Natural human beings like you and me. This, when he's talking about flesh here, he's not necessarily talking about flesh like the way St. Paul would use it as human nature. What is born of the spirit? Well, what's born of the spirit is something that is born from God, from above. And the context of the situation is that Nicodemus misses this aspect, I think, of being born from above. While he recognizes the idea that there must be some type of rebirth, he's trying to figure out what it is. Jesus is telling him, you must be born from above, and Nicodemus tr keeps trying to wrap his brain around this idea of being born, what, again. He's looking down, and Jesus is trying to get him to look up. 
And Jesus takes him to task, right? Because Nicodemus is a teacher of the people of Israel. He should know, he should pick up uh, what Jesus is telling him. But he doesn't get it yet. We know he will later on because he's a follower of Jesus. But what Jesus is telling him is so paradigm shattering, he can't quite make the connections. In our own day and time too, brothers and sisters, many jump right away in this, in this chunk of scripture to John 3.16. Right? Whenever you see sports on TV, there's always the guy with John 3.16. So I heard somebody say the other day they should actually put up God, uh, John 17 instead of John 3, 16. You know, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him may be saved. Whoever believes in Jesus, it, John, Jesus says here in John 3, 16, that you will have eternal life. It's right there in red if you have a red letter Bible, meaning that Jesus said it. Some will then jump to Romans 10, which says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But what about what Jesus said in John 3, 5? I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if I were to ask you sitting here, you would all probably say Jesus is speaking of being baptized. This is clearly a reference to baptism. And after the conversation with Nicodemus, the Bible says that Jesus went with his disciples and was doing something. It says that he was baptizing. And if you read the followers of the apostles called the church fathers, you would know that they all held this in common, that this is a reference here to baptism. But you'd be surprised how many people over the centuries have tried to make these verses about being born of water and spirit not speak of baptism. Some have even said that the water mentioned here is, is amniotic fluid. The problem is you have an, a break, maybe, between the experiential and the rational. In other words, the movement towards salvation has become divided into two competing halves, each one trying to lob Bible bombs on each other. One side's focusing on being born again, and the other's focusing on being born from above. And both are right, but are talking past each other a little bit. So I think also, when we use this word, being born again, right? I see, I think too many people use this as a marker of inclusivity and exclusivity, right? So let me put it this way. In other words, they, they question your commitment as a Christian. If you haven't had an experience, you can point back to and say, that's where I've been born again. I've been in pastoral ministry now for about seven years, and there have been times where people have asked me if I was a Christian, and I would say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they would say, well, are you born again? as if they're two different classes of Christian. But we shouldn't judge too harshly because they're trying to be faithful here to what Jesus is saying. But, what they, but they, what they see is as Jesus is telling them to be born again, to be saved, you need to recite this prayer and you need to mean it instead of what Jesus says here about the waters of baptism. And also there, there's this, we misunderstand, too, sometimes this idea of being saved. If you say this prayer, you will be saved. Or you might hear people, instead of saying, are you born again, they'll say, are you saved? Because what they're trying to do is get you to think about a time in your life where you stood and, or sat or whatever, and you had an existential crisis of some sort, and you made a, a decision for Jesus. I'm going to definitely follow you, Jesus. I believe Jesus is Lord. And then they pray the prayer, and then that's it. You're born again. You are saved. But what that does is, brothers and sisters, is that confines salvation and the totality of what salvation is, it confines that to this one-time experience. 
which then leads people into all types of questions, right? What if you really didn't mean it but thought you meant it? And people will rack their brains and, and get into like severe like, like depression. Did I really mean it when I asked Jesus into my heart? I better go ask him again into my heart at the next meeting where they have the altar call and people have come up and are invited to be saved. Maybe I meant it that time. And so you, have, you might know people, and I know people, I was one of them for a little while, who would make these commitments and recommitments over and over and over and over again because maybe I didn't mean it the last time and I need to be saved from hell, right? But when we understand salvation, salvation has been confined in our day to you have this particular experience now. But how many of you sitting here, well, just by show of hands, how many of you grew up in church? Right? How many of you, during a sermon, were invited, after you heard the sermon, to come to the front and to repeat this prayer after me, and then you will be saved? How many of you, growing up, had that experience if you were in this this, this type of church. Not many of you, right? But can you ever remember a time in your life where you didn't love Christ? Can you ever remember a time in your life where you didn't serve Christ? Because salvation is so much more than just an existential crisis to make you choose one way or the other. Salvation is something that is, is both present and it's also something that the New Testament speaks of primarily in the future salvation is something that is coming salvation is something that we are waiting for in a sense we have been saved now but we are looking forward to the full the fullness and the finality of that salvation in the age to come but we narrow it down and we use texts like you must be born again to kind of use it to exclude people who aren't the kind of Christian that we are. And that's not cool. <laughs> Creating a different category of Christian because they didn't have the same type of experience. And that comes from a good place. But that, that experience of the faith is drawn more from the revivalist tradition than it does from traditional historical expressions of the faith. And don't get me wrong, that, that does have its place, right? We all will come to the point where we choose for ourselves, where we own for ourselves, yes, I actually, I'm in this. This faith, I, I believe in it, I agree with it, Christ has transformed me, Christ has changed me. There will come a time where all of us have to own it for ourselves, right? It's not enough for our parents to bring us up and to make the baptismal vows for us when we're babies. There comes a point, brothers and sisters, where we have to say, this is who God is, this is how God has moods, this is how we are saved. Are you with me? Okay, good. And I think, I, I prefer the language instead of being born again, which anothen can mean, I prefer using the language of being born from above. Because when we talk about being born from above, it highlights the work of God in our salvation, that God is the source of our salvation, that our coming salvation is based on the here and now, on our being justified, on our being restored to a right relationship with God. Remember what we heard in the text of Genesis where God speaks to Abram and says, go from your country to your father's house to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. God doesn't even tell Abraham where, Abram where to go. 
He says, go to the land I'm going to show you. So he sends him out where he doesn't even know where he's going yet. And there's nothing here in the Genesis text to say that Abram was chosen because of anything he did. God chose him. God called him. And what did Abram do? He obeyed. And St. Paul highlighting this says, Abraham, when he obeyed God, God considered him to be in the right, to be righteous in the sight of God. And in John 3, we see that whoever believes in him in Christ shall not perish but have eternal life. We cannot separate that from being born of the water and of the Spirit, which is why, brothers and sisters, I think it's more important for us to highlight that we need to be born from above because the process is not finished. When we say born again, we limit that to an initial experience instead of anticipating what salvation is. And it's not just being, it's not being born from above, being born again. It's not having your ticket punched so you don't ride the, the midnight train to hell, right? It's not about getting your ticket punched so you can sit in the heaven car while everybody sits in the hell car. That's not what it's about. But we also understand that our salvation is fully realized in the day of the Lord. On, if you were here on Wednesday, we talked about the wrath of God in the story of Jonah and how the wrath of God, God's anger in the Old Testament is always tied in with repentance, trying to give people the opportunity to repent. And so for us, our salvation will be fully realized at the day of the Lord, right? We confess it in when we confess the Nicene Creed, we talk about Jesus. We say he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And those he judges, some will be brought into eternal life, those will be brought to eternal death. That is our salvation, our participation in eternal life that begins right now, which is why I think it's more important to speak about being born from above because it highlights God is doing something, God is moving, and God is leading us to our salvation, which will be fully realized in the future. And it's nothing that we can do to earn it. It is God's gift given to us. It is God's gift given to us. And I think that's helpful to remember, brothers and sisters. And like I said, after we sang that hymn, where we heard read in the Gospel of John about the cross being lifted up, that the road of salvation, the process of salvation, that it is something that we have begun to experience now, but it's, I like to think of it more as a process of healing rather than this one-time deal, right? Because I like to think of sin more as like, well, I'm not going to say the coronavirus, right? Because if anybody ever listens to this, it'll, it'll kind of limit it right to the space and time. But sin is kind of like a virus in us, right? It's kind of like a disease that we all carry that corrupts everything about us, that, that, corrupts, that corrupts us completely. And that's what being born from above does, is it reorients us who we are towards Christ instead of ourselves, instead of our sin, instead of uh, the things that we think are going to bring us joy. Right? Salvation is our ongoing healing, our ongoing transformation into the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who together with the Father and the Holy Spirit is worshiped and glorified forever. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, or on our Facebook page, zionstoneucc. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at malandsman at gmail.com or through our social media page, like I just mentioned. If you could take a couple minutes, we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church. So if you could donate anything, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're in the area, come worship with us. Our services are at 1015 and our Sunday school is at 9 a.m. Thank you so much again for listening. May God bless you.